The following message is by Pastor Jason Polly. More information from Harmony Bible Church is available at facebook.com backslash Harmony Bible Church. First off, I just want to say uh, thank you for those veterans who have served. Um, just please know that our prayers are with you this Veterans Day and uh, that you uh, are honored and appreciated and know that you are from the bottom of my heart. And then I also want to thank you for Pastor Appreciation Sunday. It was a huge blessing to me, just the cards, the uh, kind words, to know that, um, that I'm appreciated, that I'm loved by you. And please know that I appreciate all of you as well. It was a huge, huge blessing both to me and my family. Let's pray this morning. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be here to worship in your house God, I pray that we would worship You in spirit and in truth. God, I pray that You'd be with us, that You'd be with uh, not only us, but all the churches that are meeting today. God, that You would use the words that are spoken from the pulpit mightily, that You would transform people's hearts and minds, not because the words come from a mighty speaker, but instead because those words come from You. That indeed it is Your Word that is preached. Father God, help me today to not just teach about Your Word, but to teach from Your Word, to share Your Word. God, may we be transformed by it, may we grow by it, and may we honor You today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So today, we lost last week. So uh, looking at my sermon notes, I only have 10 pages, about uh, 4,000 words, so we better dig right in because we got a lot of catching up to do. We're just going to move our entire sermon series back. So we're still going to spend four weeks in the book of Haggai. And that overlaps a little bit with Advent. I was planning four weeks of Haggai, four weeks of Advent. The last sermon from Haggai will be the first week of Advent, which actually God knew in His sovereignty and knew uh, when He wrote Haggai that we would be working through that book and that it would be the first week of Advent when we hit those verses that talk about a coming King. So praise God that God has it figured out even though I do not clearly. So today we begin our series on this book of Haggai. And though only two chapters long, this Old Testament book is not lacking in content. And I think that you're going to find it to be very applicable to us as individuals and us as a congregation. It's very uh, applicable to us as Harmony Bible Church. And it's my prayer that as we go through this book that you read it daily, add it to your daily devotional schedule so that you can let it permeate your lives and apply it to your lives and you're prepared to understand its content, not just on Sunday morning, but each and every day. So turn with me to the book of Haggai, if you will. If you're not sure where to find Haggai, uh, don't feel bad, you're not alone. It's stuck right between Zephaniah and Zechariah. <laughs> How's that for help? Um, you know, it's about three quarters of the way through your, through your Bible, it's toward the end of the Old Testament. If you hold your Bible like this, it's the clean part of your Bible where your thumb never touches because you don't usually turn there. So we're going to look at Haggai 1, verses 1 through 11. If you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Zehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses, while this house lies desolate? 
Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm. And he who earns, earns wages to be put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little when you bring it home. I blow it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. I called for drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on the ground that produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the applying of His Word. Amen. You may be seated. So I've titled this sermon series, Kingdom Priorities. Because as we'll see in the course of the next four weeks, This book calls us to be serious about doing the Lord's work. About building His kingdom and not our own. However, in order to get a good grasp of Haggai's message, it's important for us to get some background information and the context in which Haggai was writing. So from verse 1, we know that this letter began on the first day of the sixth month of the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Probably doesn't mean a lot to us, but by our calendar, that would be August 29th, 520 B.C. And those dates become important because this book specifically mentions several dates. So it begins on August 29th, 520 B.C. And it's significant because the other dates that are mentioned give us some understanding of what's being done here and the time frame in which this book is being written, but it also helps us understand what has been happening with God's people leading up to this time. By way of background information, in the Old Testament we read of God calling the people of Israel to represent Him among the nations. And through Moses and then Joshua, He leads them out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land. And then if you read through the books of 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Kings, you discover that not long after arriving in the promised land, the people, they want to be like the nations around them. And they say, God, give us a king. So Saul is chosen to be their king. And Saul's reign doesn't exactly go well. And Saul gets replaced by David. And even though the kingdom is divided and there's civil war, David eventually becomes king over all of Israel. And then after David, his son Solomon is reigned as king. He reigns and he rules and Solomon builds a glorious temple for God as well as a beautiful palace for himself. And Solomon dedicates that temple to God. And the people come and they worship God, the God of Israel there. And then God says the following to Solomon in 1 Kings 9, verses 3-9. through God says, God's Word says, The Lord said to him, to Solomon, I have heard your prayer and your supplication which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built by putting my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, 
in integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and will keep my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. Just as I promised to your father David, saying, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons indeed turn away from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them and the house which I have consecrated for my name. I will cast them out of my sight. So Israel will become a proverb and a byword among the people and this house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone who passes by will be astonished and hiss and say, Why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? And they will say, Because they forsook the Lord their God who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and adopted other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought this adversity on them. And yet, in spite of this warning that God gives to Solomon, Solomon becomes more concerned with building his own kingdom He's more concerned with building his own kingdom than he is building God's kingdom. In fact, in 1 Kings 11, 9-10, we read, Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. And he commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not observe what the Lord commanded. You know, it's easy to look at Solomon and think, what a fool. What a fool. Look at what he threw away. Yet this is exactly like us. God has called us to serve Him and Him alone. To live for His glory. And to not chase after other gods. Yet we do. You probably don't have a a shrine to Baal or Moloch in your house. Or at least, I hope you don't. Um, But like Solomon, we're all too quick to serve the false gods. The false gods of self, money, possessions, pleasure. All these things quickly become our gods. So getting back to our history lesson, Solomon, see, he didn't obey the Lord, nor did his son. And the kingdom then becomes divided. And it becomes the northern kingdom Israel and the southern kingdom Judah. And as these now two kingdoms with two kings and two nations, they they walk, walk farther and farther away from God. In 722 B.C., the Assyrians, they come and they invade and they conquer the northern kingdom. In the southern kingdom, they hold tight, they hold fast for a little while because they had a few kings that were still obedient to the Lord. And they remain until 586 B.C. when the Babylonians, they come, they invade Jerusalem, they destroy the temple and take most of the people into exile. It's during this time, Isaiah, he writes of this king who would come. His name is Cyrus. He names him by name 150, 160 years before Cyrus would actually reign and says, Cyrus, he is my shepherd and will perform all my desire. And he declares of Jerusalem, she will be built and of the temple your foundation will be laid. And then this guy, 160 years later, comes the Cyrus of Persia. He defeats Babylon. And he tells the Jews, he says, you can return to your homeland. Though you've been in exile, you can return to your land and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And that's where Haggai is written. Haggai the prophet is one of those people who returns from exile. He's returning to Jerusalem with the people to rebuild the temple. 
And the temple begins. And they lay the foundations, but economic uncertainty and opposition eventually brought that work to a halt. And then for the next 16 years, the people built homes. They settled back into the land, but they never finished rebuilding the temple. And that's when Haggai comes on the scene. The word of the Lord comes to Haggai and he speaks to the people after 16 years of the temple laying in ruins with just the foundation being built. So with that background in mind, let's look at the rest of our text. Look at verses 2-6 through with me again. The word of the Lord comes to Haggai and he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says the time has not come, even for the time of the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? while this house lies desolate? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Today's text contrasts man's ways with God's ways. So first, let's consider man's way. The first point in our sermon outline is man's way. The people were saying, the timing isn't quite right for us to build the temple. It's, it's not quite time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. And notice that they didn't say that it wasn't important. Or they didn't say that it didn't need to be done. They simply said the timing wasn't right. I mean, after all, the economy was struggling, right? I mean, come on, they're sowing much and they're harvesting little. There's food, but not enough to be satisfied. They're earning wages, but it was as though their purses had holes in them. In other words, they had plenty of week left at the end of each paycheck, but no paycheck left at the end of each week. Sound familiar? Certainly, we should be able to relate. These past six years, at least in this country, have been times of real economic uncertainty. Every night we turn on the news, we hear about slow economic growth, we hear about the unemployment rate, and yet, if we take a step back and we look at our lifestyles, our standard of living, compared to most of the rest of the world, most of the rest of history, we are among the richest people that have ever lived in human history. So as we look at our text, the people said, the time has not come. For the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Oh, they probably had plans for doing so. But right now, they're just trying to make ends meet. So what is God's response? Verse 3, He says, it says, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying... It's interesting. This is God's response. Haggai isn't merely giving his opinion on the matter. He doesn't say, you know, I've been thinking about it, and I think it's time for you to build the temple. Instead... Haggai tells us that the Lord's response, God's response, was to say, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house, my house, lies desolate? Obviously a rhetorical question. God knows the answer. He asks the question because He wants them to reflect on their actions. So He says, consider your ways. Think about it. 
You've sown much, but you harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. In other words, you need to seriously consider your ways. You need to seriously think about the path that you have been on. So the overall point of verses 1-6 through is, you've done things your way, but you need to consider whether or not it's the right way. We also need to notice the language that God gives Haggai to communicate this, for it really drives this point home. First, notice that Haggai refers to God as the Lord of hosts. This term is used 260 times in Scripture, 14 of which are in this book of Haggai. On these two pages, or page and a half, he refers to God as the Lord of hosts 14 times. It literally means Yahweh, God of the armies of heaven. And it emphasizes God's sovereignty, His all-powerful rule over all human affairs, and the entire universe. So when Haggai says, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, he's telling them that the one who has ultimate rule, ultimate authority over everyone and everything, is saying, you need to think about, you need to examine your actions. The one who controls the economy, the one who controls the rain, who controls the crops, he's the one who is saying, consider your ways. You see, the people thought they were in control. But Haggai is reminding them that God is the one who's in control. And then notice, secondly, that Haggai, the contrast that Haggai draws between the house of the Lord and the people's paneled houses. The term house simply means dwelling place. But the people were not living in a simple shelter. They returned from exile. They laid the foundation for the temple. And then they got frustrated. And they started building their own homes. They lived in these paneled dwelling places. God's use of this word should have caused the people to immediately think of the description of Solomon's temple. When God says, is it time for you to live in a paneled house? They should have immediately thought back to 1 Kings chapter 6 and 7. 1 Kings 6-9. In talking about the temple, it says, So he built the house and finished it, and he covered it, covered is paneled, he paneled the house with beams and planks of cedar. So thinking about Solomon's temple, this glorious temple, it says he built it, he finished it, and he paneled it with cedar. And God says, my house is undone. Is it time for you to panel your house with cedar? And look at 1 Kings, or consider 1 Kings 7, verses 2-3. through In talking about Solomon's palace, not the temple, but Solomon's palace, he says, He, Solomon, built the house of the forest of Lebanon. It was a hundred cubits, and its width was fifty cubits, and its height was thirty cubits. On four rows of cedar pillars with cedar beams on the pillars, it was paneled with cedar. Above the side chambers, which were on the forty-five pillars, fifteen in each row, he gives this detailed description. And then... 1 Kings 7.7 7, He made the hall of the throne where He was to judge the hall of judgment and it was paneled with cedar from floor to floor. Solomon's palace 
Solomon's temple, the temple that Solomon built, were paneled in cedar because God had blessed them with the building, blessed him with the building of those buildings. And we see the same word again, though, in Jeremiah 23, 13 through 15, where Jeremiah wrote these words about Jehoiakim, a later king of Judah, a king who was king just before they went into exile, not long before the temple was destroyed. Destroyed. And he said, He said, Woe to him who builds his house without righteousness. Woe to him who builds without righteousness and his upper rooms without justice. He who uses his neighbor's services without pay and does not give him wages. He who says, I will build a roomy house with spacious upper rooms and cut out its windows, paneling it with cedar and painting it bright red. And then God says to Jehoiakim, do you become a king because you're competing in cedar? He said, woe to him who builds this house without righteousness and panels it with cedar for his own glory. The glory belongs to God. You see, having a paneled house wasn't the issue. It's not about the house. Solomon built his house and was promised blessing. After that, God said, I'll bless you and I'll continue to bless you so long as you continue to follow me. The problem came when his desires took priority over God's. The problem came when he failed to say, not my will be done, but your will be done. It's the same problem we see in the Garden of Eden. Where Adam and Eve, they saw that the fruit was good, pleasing to the eye, desirable. They took it and they ate it. The same is true of Jehoiakim. He's building a temple according to his own desires for His own glory. It's that same adage that we deal with again and again in our lives. I want what I want, and I'm willing to sin in order to get it. I want what I want. It's about me and my glory. It's about my paneled house. So when God says, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while this house lies desolate? Their minds should have immediately thought back to the temple, the former glory of the temple before it was destroyed, the one that was built by Solomon, paneled in cedar, and how Solomon's desire to build his own kingdom, and how Jehoiakim's desire to build his own paneled house led to the destruction of that temple. They should have thought of that. They should have thought about having been rescued from captivity, having been brought home from Babylonian exile. The Babylonian exile that Jehoiakim and the other unrighteous kings led them into. You should have thought of that when the Lord asked, is it time for you to build these panel houses? Is it time for you to go the way of Solomon and Jehoiakim? Is it time for you to build your own paneled house like they did? So now... Let's look at our second point in our sermon outline. That's man's way. Man's way is to build his own kingdom. Now let's consider God's way. God's way is to be part of building His kingdom. Having shown the people the foolishness of their behavior, that they, like Jehoiakim, have neglected God's house so that they could focus on building their own. In verses 7-11, through God now calls them to examine their ways. He gives them clear instructions for obedience. 
Look at verses 7 through 11. He once again says, consider your ways. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little when you bring it home. I blow it away. Why? Declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house, which lies desolate. While each of you runs to his own house, therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. God's instructions are clear. He says, go up to the mountains, bring wood, Rebuild the temple that I may be pleased and glorified. In other words, you've spent enough time seeking your own pleasure. Seeking your own glory. You've spent enough time building your kingdom. Go! Build the temple and do it for my pleasure, my glory. Now I want to interject something here um, to avoid misunderstanding. This text is often taught when a church is going through a building campaign. In case you haven't noticed, we're not going through a building campaign right now. We're not adding on to the sanctuary, and therefore I'm saying, you need to stop building your own homes and build the church building. It does have applications in such a setting. But it's a shame if this text only gets preached in that kind of setting. Because this text has applications far beyond that. Far beyond the building of a physical building in which we gather to worship. The people were commanded to build God's temple. But it was far more. It was about far more than a building. And it was and is for us today about living for God's pleasure and God's glory. It's about living for and building His kingdom, not just a building. So in verses 9-11, through God wants them to recognize that the troubles they have been experiencing are the result are the direct result of His disciplinary hand. They're the direct result of Him disciplining them. In explaining why their efforts have been frustrated, He says, in seeking to build your own kingdom, you look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why? Because my house lies desolate while you run to your own houses. I called for the drought and the frustration of your labor. He says, remember, I am the sovereign one, not you. In other words, you need to realize that I brought these trials upon you to bring you to a place of repentance. For you were building the wrong kingdom. You see, God had clearly warned the Jews that obedience would lead to blessings, but that disobedience would lead to discipline. And having already experienced God's discipline to the point of being driven from their land, seeing the temple destroyed, and now, having been brought home from Babylonian captivity, having been brought home a second time, they they were brought home from Egypt. They built the temple. They served the Lord. They worshiped the Lord. Got sidetracked. And they were brought into exile. And now they're being brought home once again. They're given the opportunity to build the temple. They lay that foundation and then return and build their own house. God's saying, consider your ways. It's time to go. Build this house. God's saying, you need to re-examine your 
priorities. You need to understand that my ways are better than your ways. So the question is this, how do we apply all of this to us here at Harmony Bible Church? How do we apply this to our lives here at Harmony Bible Church? Is God calling us to build a temple? Well, I don't think so. I don't think God's calling us to build a building at all. We have a building here. There are plenty of buildings that we can actually use for other ministry if we need to. We each have homes that we can use for ministry. What is God exactly calling us to? Well, first of all, if you haven't placed your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, today is the day to do so. Matthew six nineteen through 20 Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. That today is the day to say, I've been focused on building my kingdom. I've been focused on my glory. And I need to turn and live for the Lord. I need to place my trust in Him, for I cannot save myself. He is the sovereign one of the universe. That's what Haggai says. He is the Lord of hosts. That though try as you may to prosper, try as you, as you may to earn your way into heaven, Scripture says that every man has sinned, that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that the wages of sin is death. And what we need is we need a change of direction. We need to no longer try to earn our way into heaven. We need to no longer try to build our kingdom, but instead embrace Christ's kingdom. And I believe most of you have probably done that. So most of us, we stand here and we say, I've done that. I'm a follower of Jesus. How do I apply this passage from Haggai? For those of us who are followers of Jesus, we need to recognize we've been rescued from exile. We've been brought into the place where we have been forgiven. That though we were once slaves to our sin, we've been set free. We now serve a new master. And He hasn't called us to build our own kingdom, but instead be part of building His it's too easy to say, yeah, I know, but the time has not yet come. Right? I'll serve the Lord, but first, let me do this or that. We remember those words from, from Jesus' ministry where people said, well, I'll follow you, but first, let me bury my father. Right? Let me do this or let me do that. Let me take care of my own house over here. It's not yet time. God wants us, I believe, to consider our ways. Because it's too easy to get used to seeing God's work left undone. Can you imagine the people? For 16 years they got up. Oh yeah, there's the temple over there. The foundation laid. And the first couple of days it was probably tough to ignore. But after a month, or two, or a year, or 12, it probably got pretty easy to see the temple laying in ruins. To see the foundation built, but that's it. To say, it's too easy for us to say, now's not the time. It's too easy for older generations to say, I did my part. I laid the foundation. Right? It's time for someone else to build upon it. And I've heard that. I haven't heard that here, not yet. But please don't ever let me hear that. I did my part. I built, I laid the foundation. I labored, and now it's somebody else's turn. 
Show me that from Scripture. Or for younger generations to say, now's not the time. Right? Now's not the time. Let me get my kids out of the house. I know, I know a couple who said, when my kids are grown up, when they're out of college, and when I'm finally retired, then I want to become a missionary. There's something honorable about that. The question that they have to ask is, are they serving now? And if they're serving now, great. That may be a different season of ministry for them later on, but it has to start with serving now. It's not that one day I will serve. One day I will build His kingdom. It's about serving Him, building His kingdom now. It's too easy for young people to say, let me build some stability, some wealth. Then I'll serve the Lord. Let me get this business off the ground. Let me me get my family situated. And if you do so, you're putting your wealth, your time, your resources into a purse with holes. The Lord's going to frustrate those opportunities. It's a purse with holes. Though that purse may hold for a little while, it's not going to hold for all of eternity. You're putting it in a place where moth and rust are going to destroy. See, the people had been back in the land for 16 years with the foundation of the temple laid. They started well, but they didn't endure. And this building, this building that we stand in, has been completed for 25 years, 20 some odd years, right? But it's just a foundation. In fact, I, I heard, I actually had in my note, how long is, in my notes, how long has this building been completed? And then just before the service began, somebody actually asked that question and I overheard it. Praise God for His grace because I didn't ask. But somebody had said, oh, I think it was built in 1991. But you know what? That's just a foundation. It's not time to say, alright, the, the building has been built, now it's time to go and build our own homes. You know, I wasn't here when this building was built, but I've seen what goes into a building project. And I know the time, the effort, the energy. And today, God is asking us, have we been building with the same intensity that we once did? And that's something I think we need to ask. Are we building the same way we built in 1989 or 1990 with a vision for what God had? Or have we just said, I need to return to building my own house. See, God's not calling us to lay down our tool belts, but to continue to build upon the foundation that He has laid. To join Him in building His kingdom and not our own. Because we become too easily content with building our own kingdom. Matthew 6, 25-34, just in closing, Jesus said, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor for your body as to what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? I am the sovereign one of the universe. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, that they do not toil or spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? Or, or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. That, Harmony Bible Church, is what I believe God is calling us to do today. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Not build our own kingdoms. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You for Your grace. God, I promise You, I praise You for Your promise. I praise You for Your promise that You said You will build Your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God, it is only by Your grace that we build. God, we realize that we don't come to You in such a way that we are saying that because You have forgiven us, therefore we will repay You. For God, we know that with every act of service, with every act of building, every time we seek to live for Your glory, we're further indebted to Your grace. God, I pray that You'd give us the grace that we need to live for You today. Use us mightily, Lord, in reaching this community and growing Your kingdom and not our own. Not the kingdom of Harmony Bible Church. Not the kingdom that is, uh, that, that is our families, but instead, not the kingdom that is our workplace, but instead, building Your kingdom. God, help us to build up believers, to encourage them in the faith. Help us to share our faith with others. Help us to be used by You for the furtherance of your gospel. God, be with us now. Give us the ability to do that which we cannot do. Encourage us and bless us as we step out and build your kingdom for your glory and your pleasure. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Jason Polly, pastor of Harmony Bible Church in South Thomaston, Maine. Feel free to share this message with others And we invite you to connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Harmony Bible Church. God bless you, and to God be the glory.